Hello, welcome to The Achievers. This is the show where we find and elevate the stories of brilliant people. Today, I'm joined by Chase Clymer, host of Honest E-Commerce and co-founder of Electric Eye. Chase, welcome. Thanks for having me. So you have a very successful podcast. You're over 250 episodes in with Honest E-Commerce. What is it? Who's it for? Who do you have on? Sounds good. Uh, yeah. So uh, Honest E-Commerce is just what it sounds like. It's We're talking about e-commerce and I'm trying to make it honest like... When I got into the industry seven or eight years ago, there was this like ugly underbelly of YouTube where there was all this like fly by night, get rich quick, buy my course, you're good at Ferrari type stuff out there and all this content. And I was like, well, that's not real. That's not true. Um, what what it takes is hard work. And so um the original idea was just interview people smarter than me and you know, help them sh- shine some truth to that. It's since evolved. Over the course of 250 episodes, and and what I think we're in the year three or four of doing it. Uh, well, now I'm actually an okay host, and uh, it, most of the stories that we tell are kind of like that founder's story. So I'm interviewing brand founders, and they're talking about kind of the ideation of their brand, um, how they really got it started, how they like kind of went from an idea to an actual product, how they found product market fit, and how they scaled that thing up to become kind of the success that they are today, and like kind of what the future looks like. Um, those are my favorite stories to tell, and that's basically the only story we're telling on the main feed anymore. Um, but now we've actually got to the point where we have too much content and we're starting to produce bonus episodes where I'm still interviewing uh, you know, just subject matter experts. Um, so maybe it's other industry like agency owners or vendors in the space or consultants, marketers, designers, etc. Because um, they always have unique opinions and, and thoughts to share as well. Uh, so you know, that's the long answer. The short answer is you're going to learn a lot about e-commerce and hopefully you can put some of that back into your business. What's the so you talk about sort of there was this underbelly of all these YouTube people and it is shocking how many stand in front of somebody else's Ferrari and take a picture. What's what's the current landscape? Like somebody coming into e-com today, they've had an idea. Is is it still the Wild West? Is it better? I still think that e-commerce is there's a lot of opportunity in e-commerce, especially if you're smart or if you're gonna tackle something that no one has tackled before. I think there's opportunity. I don't think that drop shipping is a profitable because like that whole thing was like kind of this drop shipping world. I don't think you make money doing drop shipping anymore. You know, the caveat to that is like, unless you know something I don't know, you have a connection I don't have, you have a product that no one else, like there's a lot of you know ways to make money doing it. But the average college student or entrepreneur that's like hungry and wants to get into the business, I don't think you're gonna make any money drop shipping. That's the truth. Um, I think you would be better spent to go learn a skill and go work for other brands and figure out what you're good at and then start to build a business. And because at the end of the day, a lot of people want to start drop shipping brands, not because they like are passionate about the product, it's because they just want to make money and they, you know, they want to get paid more than what they, you know, would get out in the market with whatever they're doing these days. Go learn a valuable skill, go work in the industry that you like, and you'll be infinitely more successful. Hugely valuable headline. I mean, drop shipping was a thing for a while and it's like anything else, right? Do you mean? Follows the same mirror as like crypto today. I mean, just think about it. If I can pay a thousand dollars to go build a website and I'm going to become like the barrier of entry there is astronomically low. And if, if this is your first time doing it, you're going to already be behind the other people that are doing it that have have more skill. They've done it before. They have a proven track record. Like, just the margins are so thin on drop shipping, and it's just a race to the bottom. And that's like not an industry that you want to get into. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of dropshipping used to, of course, advocate for Facebook and Instagram advertising, which is not where it used to be anymore, anyway. 
Oh yeah. The, the cost per acquisition these days is, I would say maybe 20 times higher in some situations in some areas. Um, I remember when we first started my agency six or seven years ago, you could put out some bogus stuff and, and make some money. Now we were pretty good compared to the rest of them, but like it, there was a lot of money to be made on Facebook and Instagram back in the day. Um, and these days, like I think at 3x, you should be happy. Like don't fire your agency if that's what you're getting because they're probably scaling you at the same time. Uh, we no longer do paid ads at the agency, but I, you know, I wrote a lot on it. I've spoke a lot on it and I'm friends with a lot of amazing marketers in that space. Yeah. And, and with Electric Eye then, if you're not doing paid ads anymore, what is it you're doing for your clients? Absolutely. Uh, we've kind of just narrowed our focus to two things. We build highly performant, beautiful Shopify themes and optimize existing stores. So basically, we make your stores, your customer experience better. That's all we do. Wow. That's interesting. So how did you end up... Like Shopify is a very niche part of e-commerce, which in itself is, is a very specific industry. How did you fall in specifically with Shopify and, and why choose it? Absolutely. So that'd be my business partner, Sean. Uh, he... Uh, was very familiar with Shopify because he used it at his old business. Uh, he was uh, part of the kind of first team of people that were at this brand called Homage. Um, and they were actually one of the first larger brands on Shopify, if I'm recalling correctly. Um, so he was familiar with the platform, how it worked. And uh, when he left Homage, he was freelancing. I, I was also kind of freelancing. I'd been a professional freelancer forever. Um, so when he left, he was making so many mistakes, every mistake in the book. And I'm, I'm like, dude, Sean, you can't do that. Uh, so I was like, just teaching him how to be a better business person. And then he had some opportunities. He's like, you know how to do Facebook ads, right? And so we were tag teaming on all these projects that were like on... He was doing the design dev stuff on Shopify. And I was coming on the Facebook ad side of things. Uh, and kind of just, I realized like, wow, this just works. Like WordPress was terrifying. Uh, I think we were doing some Magento stuff and some weird custom builds. I was like, all this stuff is like Shopify just works. Like, this is cool. Um, and so then we didn't really focus on that for a couple months until we realized we had like six or seven retainer clients that we were like kind of doing optimization on their sites and kind of running traffic there through paid ads. Uh, and they're like, who do we make the checks out to? Like, you know, what's a taxes? What's an EIN? So we quickly figured out we had to start a business. Uh, and then kind of the rest is history. That's pretty amazing. Um, Shopify seems like a very easy place for somebody new to e-commerce to get started with. Is, is that still the case? Oh, yeah. The barrier of entry has never been lower to start a business or to learn e-commerce. But that also means the delta between being good is that much wider. Uh, there still is a lot to learn. And the technical knowledge of how to do exactly what you want with Shopify's platform, the nuance and intricacies of the dumb stuff that it won't let you do and how to solve for that. like You're not going to pick that up overnight. Um, but yeah, as a barrier of entry to get started, never been easier. Mm. Uh, but with that, you know, it's it takes a little bit longer to learn all the stuff that we know. Yeah, that's interesting. Is that where the custom sort of themes come into play? Or is it much broader than just how your store looks and behaves? Yeah, that's a great idea. I mean, I mean, it's a great question. Like, so I would say you don't need a custom theme, which is going to be kind of counter to what we do at our agency a little bit. Like, there's kind of different areas of where a merchant will be in their journey. And I think like between like one to zero to like one million, maybe I'll move that goalpost to even like three million. Like, you're still a startup at that phase. And all you should be focused on is profitably acquiring customers. Uh, especially below 1 million, you don't have the data to actually do conversion rate optimization. 
Um, and most people won't tell you that uh, because you need a certain amount of actions to happen within your testing window to get a statistical significant result. Uh, and you don't get enough orders at a million dollars a year unless your average order value is like super low to, to get that to get that result that you need to actually have a winning test. Um, so instead, you should just focus on, you know, everyone hates to say it, but you should focus on best practices and you should focus on getting the most, uh, the highest return on ad spend or you just ROI on your marketing initiatives. Again, build those cool systems, make those work. Then when you start to get into that scaling phase where now you're investing a lot more money into paid ads and you need to optimize your web experience, that's where like an agency like ours would come in. Then you have all the all the data in the world to play with to really edge out these percentages. But at that scale, you're talking tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Yeah. I can see why you called it honest e-commerce. There is so much bullshit out there that you're contradicting, which is great. Um, this idea, I think, of when you go look about what it takes to start a Shopify store, everybody is out there trying to sell systems about things that you're essentially saying people aren't ready for until they've hit a certain point. I mean, I, I fall victim to that too. Shiny objects, cool new products, like whatever. Like I look at all this stuff, but at the end of the day, 99% of your problems are solved if you just sell what you're trying to sell. And that's what a lot of people don't want to focus on because that's hard work. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I fall victim to that all the time. You know, as an agency owner, like I got to go out there and sell projects and that's going to solve some of the, the squeeze on the business or whatever we're annoyed about at that time. You know, it's like, we just had one big project land or another retainer client. Like these problems aren't real problems anymore, are they? Uh, and the same thing comes for an e-commerce store. It's just like, just focus on getting new customers and serving the customer well. Like as young businesses need to email all anyone that's bought your product, ask them why they bought it, what they like about it, what they don't like about it, improve on it on your version two of your product. Ask them what they like about your website, what they don't like about your website. Like you can get a lot of CRO information just from asking your customers what questions like they have about your products. Answer those questions on your website. Mm -hmm. A great friend of mine, Amy Raiden, she was the founding chief innovation officer at E-Trade. She taught me a great thing about marketing and customer analysis, which is she walked into the job as a CMO at Citigroup, and they were spending $5 million a year on customer research to figure out who wanted what type of credit card. She canceled the lot and said, I just want to talk to 12 real customers for 20 minutes a time twice a year. And she got more from that than they ever got from $5 million in spend. And I think it's very easy for people to sit there at the beginning of a business early stage and say, I don't have access to all these great resources that all these big companies do. And in, in reality, a lot of those big companies don't even believe in those resources. So the idea of what you've got is some customers and you can have conversations with them is, is great. Absolutely. And that's kind of before we went in the pre-roll, Dax and I were talking kind of about what I want people to get out of this. And it's like e-commerce is math. Don't overcomplicate it. And I think that people get caught up in the minutia of the the tactics of what they're going to do to try to hit that overarching goal that a strategy should be, you know, kind of running. And it's like, just look at it. These are all numbers. And it, there's three numbers that matter. It's your conversion rate, it's your average order value, and your sessions. And if you multiply all three of those together within whatever window you're talking about, it's basically your sales. And it's going to be pretty dang close. Unless you got some crazy seasonality to your business, then just do like a rolling 12 average. But you're going to get... It's going to be really close. Now you have your baseline, focus on a KPI, optimize it, repeat. That's all you got to do. Yeah. I uh, I get to have some real fun conversations like this with people um, because of this show. And I talked to the guy in charge of Reels at Instagram last week. Mm -hmm. And... 
you know, Instagram is one of those companies, now part of Meta was Facebook, of course, where we think about the amount of data and things they have. And ultimately, what the conversation netted out to, though, was, yes, absolutely, the math has all of these roles to play in this. The piece, though, that I think in addition to that, that I think you'll agree with is the idea that ultimately, though, no matter how much data you've got, we're still talking to human beings who have very underlying emotional human being type needs, right? And every e-commerce store has to say something that speaks to those emotional underlying needs like men often don't go buy jet black hair dye because it's the blackest of the black of hair dyes right it's because they want to look sexier to women or to men they want to have their hair to look a certain way they don't want to look like they're aging as part of your agency do you help brands sort of tease that out so they're really getting that that message across to their buyers well you kind of hit the nail on the head there because i was going down like talking about the data behind a lot of this stuff but there's also like there's that there's that science but then there's the art of it. And that's kind of where messaging and copywriting and branding come in. And that's why, like, that's why we're never going to go out of business is because you got to balance those things. And there's a computer's not taking our job. A computer cannot talk to humans better than we can yet. Man, we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, there, there's, you got to have that balance of the messaging. And, you know, think about it this way people uh, like to know how a product will solve their problem. And you usually do that by talking about the benefits of the product, not the features of the product, right? So going back to your analogy about black hair dye. Now, the feature of the product is this is the blackest black you can buy. But a benefit of this product is hide your signs of aging. You know, which one is going to probably sell more of that product? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. People have often unspoken underlying emotional needs why they make purchase decisions. And, and that's uh, that, that's a great example of one. So we've talked a fair bit so far about how easy Shopify is to get started with. It's probably the lowest barrier of entry to e-commerce. Once a brand starts to get to these scaling points, you're talking about one, two, three million plus, and they're starting to see the data they need to make better, smarter decisions. Um, what's a good sort of framework or set of ideas that a Shopify brand owner can then uh, put into place so that they can actually scale to be a big mega e-com brand? Absolutely. So we'll go back to that that uh equation i shared earlier and it's actually uh we i didn't make it up but i you know i call it the brand scaling framework uh and it's again average order value conversion rate and sessions we usually look at the last 30 days at the agency unless it's super seasonal and then we'll do like a average of the last 12 months so anyways we get our baseline right now i'm going to go through them in order and tell you what you have to do to improve them usually uh, but all of these are kind of just very generic stuff and every business is different. And that's why it sucks to not have like examples when you get into this kind of stuff here. But let's talk about your conversion rate, right? So some of the common issues that we see, and this is, you know, I'm going to talk specifically about our experience with Shopify, but this probably e-commerce in general is going to have a lot of these same issues is one with your conversion rate. The way to improve your conversion rate is to improve your customer experience on the site. Um, and that comes down to basically two things. Performance, which is still often overlooked. Uh, you want the fastest website that you can possibly get. Um, and you can get a extremely fast website on Shopify's front end. Anyone that says otherwise just isn't good at development. Uh, and I will fight you over that. Like I can show you some amazing stuff that we've built. Um, but you need the fastest website that you can get because people are still out there in the country on like 3G networks. And that thing needs to load when they click on that ad from Facebook that you just paid $8 for. 
Um, so as the most performant website you can, and then a, an intuitive web design. The customer journey needs to make sense. And that's where things get crazy. And that's where that science and art really start to shine and kind of like how your user experience should work or, or you know your UI or whatever you want to call it. But it's basically just like, how do I get from the homepage to the collection page, to the product page, to the cart page and check out? It's got to be seamless. It's got to make sense. Oftentimes, people's navigation is horrible. Uh, and it, it's useful to have someone that isn't at the company use your website and just kind of be like, hey, like this doesn't make any sense. I can't buy anything from you because it doesn't make any sense. Um, so there's a lot of common stuff with navigation. Uh, going back to performance, this is a, actually a very common thing with performance is brands that are like getting that one, two, three million dollars a year. They're usually on a theme they've been on for the last two or three years, right? Um, and in that time, they have probably tested mm -hmm. a dozen or two apps. They have probably had a dozen or two freelancers in there making changes to stuff, people on their team, etc. And I'm, mm -hmm. you know, here's the, the truth is when you install an app on a Shopify store, it injects code and it injects a JavaScript call into your theme. When you press uninstall, it removes access to that app, but that code's still there and that JavaScript call still there. Now repeat that a couple dozen times and you have now just slowed your website down a bunch. You've injected a bunch of spaghetti into that code that it, no one wants to go find. I'll just tell you the truth there. Um, and it's usually just at that point, you know, it's probably the same amount of work to build a faster mousetrap than it is to rebuild your mousetrap. Um, so that's oftentimes what we see when we start to work with brands at that size is like, it, there's a, there's definitely a trade-off. Like, you know, it might just make more sense to just like, let's do, do a brand refresh and just do this whole thing the right way. At that same time, you're going to introduce like a lot of really cool features and stuff. I went off on a huge tangent there. Let's get back to conversion rate. Um, <laughs> the best way to improve your conversion rate is a faster website and to improve your customer journey. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> you did mention though apps. And one of the things that draws a lot of people to Shopify is that ecosystem that they have sort of built and maybe curated is the right word, maybe not. Uh, but those apps exist. Do you find the big successful scaled brands are using those apps or are they really not? And they're, they're doing a lot of it through either custom code or custom development? Great question. So uh, the average Shopify Plus store has about 35 apps installed. Wow. Um, there are definitely apps that you can't replace like you are you're not going to rebuild your email automation software that's just not a thing you're going to do you're going to use one of the solutions out there shout out to Clavio it's the best one um but uh you know there are some things that you can custom build into your app for example we often custom build uh bundling into our clients apps or you know certain usability features or how to visualize products into the app or into their themes um, to not have to use an app to do that. Like, if there's ever a possibility for us where you look at it, the time spent to cut to like custom build it versus the savings of it being out of the box, you know, we'll often be like, you know, we're just going to take, get rid of this app because it's just going to save us that little percentage on performance, which this is something that I failed to mention about performance. Go look this up anywhere. But the faster your website is, the higher your conversion rate will be. There's been a million studies on this, and it's just the truth. Um, now with that being said, there is a point of diminishing returns. Like there is a trade-off like of fast enough. Uh, for example, some of the major apps that a lot of stores use come with a little bit of bog 
Um, but it's for, but it improves the experience of the site. So it actually doesn't hurt, you know, from a conversion perspective, right? Net, net, you're getting an increase. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Is there, you know, when I think about one of our sites, hivecast.fm, it sits on WooCommerce. It sits on WordPress. I hate them both. They're slow. They're clumsy. We've definitely had freelancers and people in there once in a while sort of tweaking. Do you see people starting to use Shopify stores for anything outside of what is more traditionally thought of as e-com? Like are you seeing services business start to adopt it as a purchasing platform? I, yes, I've seen it. And I will tell you, no, don't do it. Like, don't like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Like there are a lot better solutions out there for what you want to do. Shopify is fantastic. For direct consumer brands selling stuff online, the further you move away from that, the more you're trying to fit like a star shape into a triangle hole. Like it's just not gonna work, and you're gonna be it's an uphill battle. Like use the tool that's right for the job. And I even say that all the time. People come to us with opportunities about things that just like don't make sense. I'm like, this is this is not the right thing. You should use this. Go talk to these people. Yeah, and it's so often easier to tightly define what something is based on what it's not than defining what it is, right? Because if you say it's for this, it's for this, it's sort of always a blurred line that's ever increasing. It's like the ever inflating mm -hmm. balloon. If you draw a line instead and say, this is what Shopify is not for, that's a hard line, right? And the tighter those lines are generally around a solution, the better fit it is for the people that they're really trying to work with. Absolutely. Like I can give you some knots right now. It's not for service businesses. It's not for like traditional B2B businesses. It's not for your like uh, portfolio website. Like there's no reason to have a thing that has a, a e-commerce functionality if the conversion that you're looking for is there's someone to reach out to hire you for your photography business. Like you don't need an e-commerce element to it. Um, you know, what it's for is you're selling a physical product and shipping it to an end consumer. You're selling a hat, you're selling jewelry, you're selling powerlifting equipment, you're selling an actual good. Um, I've seen some a lot of successful people use Shopify for digital goods as well. I would say that one's very gray area of whether or not it's a good idea. And it really depends on the types of goods you're selling and how it interacts with the rest of whatever you're building behind that business. Mm. Last question. When you... Let's say somebody's got a good product. Um, they've got a good idea. They seem competent enough. They launch on Shopify, but for some reason it doesn't work for them. What's usually the big reason why they fail to get that success that they're looking for? Um, my guess is that they didn't actually try to market it. Uh, they weren't putting this product in front of customers. You know, uh, you you can't build a website, put it out there, and expect to make money. That's not how it works. Because if it was that easy for you, again, competition. It's it's out there for everybody. Um, I interviewed over 100 founders on my podcast and I asked them this exact question. How did you find your first customers? And they all say something that is basically... They did things that didn't scale at the beginning. They went to farmer's markets. They went to Facebook mm -hmm. groups. They were on Reddit threads. Right. And they were putting their products in front of customers, getting feedback and iterating and repeating and repeating and repeating until they got their initial flywheel started. Yeah. it's It's such a common... I think mistake that people feel like people will want to buy what they have. And quite honestly, until you've proven anybody wants it, you really don't have anything 
viable at all. Chase, it's been a real pleasure. Um, clearly, you are an incredible expert in this space of, of Shopify and e-commerce. The podcast is amazing. Uh, everybody go check out uh, Honest E-commerce podcast with Chase Clymer. Uh, 250 episodes and counting. Chase, thanks very much. Thank you so much for having me.